Listening to Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast, and I'm your host, the Greg Flynn. There's only one motherfucker. Welcome into you know episode three, episode four. I guess it depends on how you count it. It's episode three on on Spotify, but it's technically episode four. We had some tough technical difficulties in our last episode, uh, and I'm excited to be back at it. I'm super excited. I might not sound like it. Restraining myself. But I have a lot to get to today. I'm super excited. Uh, we're going to talk about my new favorite TV show of all time, Wrestlers on Netflix. I don't know if it's my favorite show of all time. Uh, but if you're not familiar with the show Wrestlers on Netflix, uh, I'm not going to give a lot of spoilers or anything. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. And I'm going to talk about some personal stuff correlated to it. How it affected me and touched me. And 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 kind of more I'm gonna get into the EFED a little and I want to get into um um where my passion for wrestling comes from because it's relevant to that show and and the stories that get told in that show um but also what I do with my passion for wrestling because uh I'm not a wrestler and I might even be so bold and you know I, I I gotta be vulnerable I gotta be real on this show and so Anyway, we'll get to that here in a minute. We're also going to talk about, well, I mean like literally a minute. I just want to set up this show. We're going to talk about uh, Wrestle Dream. I mentioned if you saw my um, thank you 1,000 subscribers. And if you didn't, we have 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, so thank you. But uh, I mentioned in that video um, that I wanted this episode to by and large be about previewing Wrestle Dream. And that's not changing because... This weekend, oh my god, this weekend, it's no longer next weekend, it's no longer later this month. This weekend, I'm going to Wrestle Dream in Seattle, I'm so fucking excited. So we're going to go over the match card as it stands today. Um, there's AEW Dynamite tomorrow, and I'm aware of that, so I'm going to give them some passes. But man, I, I don't love the card yet. They got time, they got time. Kind of. They got a little bit of time. We'll see. But we're going to break that down. And then at the end of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in WWE. The Rock is back. You smell the Rock. He's cooking. He's cooking a glorious return, maybe against Austin Theory. Or at least a little rub with Austin Theory. Um, but first things first. Uh, we're not going to put the cart before the horse. First things first. I wanted to run out of the gate. And get personal and get real with, um, you know, the listeners and watchers of this show. Uh, and the people who support me, by and large. Um, because, I don't know, I just, I guess I feel like in a certain way, I haven't always been real. I haven't been real so far on this show. Which is to say, <clears throat> I want to be just so fucking transparent about... Uh, me and wrestling and my experience level in wrestling and where I'm coming from and my perspective and how how it got built and then you can understand you know what I'm saying and and the vibe can be on with the people who agree with me or at least enjoy dis the process of disagreeing with me and the people uh, for whom I actively bother can then fucking float off into the ether and they can go uh have happy lives that don't involve me that's quite all right i'm not i'm not a hater to my haters but just you know go the fuck away and just 
make money and have a good life and, and do it without me. Um, but what I want to be honest and transparent about, and I'm going to talk about the Netflix show Wrestlers, is kind of a segue into this. Because if you're not familiar with Wrestlers, um, it covers Ohio Valley Wrestling in Kentucky. Uh, it's an independent promotion that did have an affiliation for a while with the WWE uh, as sort of a developmental slash minor league slash, you know, send injured guys down there to, to get back into the swing of things and take a few bumps or whatever, right? Uh, and then they went independent again. I don't know the full story of that exactly. I don't know if it was... Al Snow, who bought it from WWE, I forget if it says it in the show or whatever, but if you know that name, Al Snow, uh, wrestling fans know that name, WWE fans and ECW fans know the name Al Snow, and I knew the name Al Snow um, from my childhood, and so watching Al Snow 2.0 on this program you know, he's he's Daddy Al Snow now, right? Al Snow has evolved into his final form, Daddy Al. Uh, and he brings the daddy energy so fucking hard in this show. But the other thing he brought so fucking hard was his passion and love for pro wrestling. You just see it every single episode as... He continues to sort of set the stage a little bit. He He's the head booker, head of creative, um, and really head coach. These are developmental wrestlers and athletes um, with varying degrees of experience. So he's head coach, head trainer, head booker, head of creative. He's wearing every hat. And you see in the show, he even puts on his wrestler hat. Um, and it is... I mean, it's incredibly moving. It's incredibly emotional. Um, I was talking about the show with somebody from the EFED, and I just said to them, you know, we were talking about creative projects and passion projects and putting yourself into something and, and putting yourself into your work and your creative work. And for me, that's videos and this podcast and the EFED. Um, but whatever it is, and what was so intensely relatable to me for this show and what I want to get real about um, is that they gave this thing, thing being pro wrestling, but also their version of it, their their OVW version of it. Um, and Al especially gives it everything he has um, every single day of his life. And it's a grind. It's a day after day after day, wake up and get back to work level grind. And you also see some of these wrestlers in their mid, late thirties, forties, you know, cash flow. <laughs> if you've seen the show cash flow, is he his fifties? How old is that guy? But you know what? You also see, um, what living your life this way can do for you. It, it might not make you rich, um, but, and they talk about this on the show, how you're defining success in your life may actually be what your barrier from success is, right? It's not actually that you haven't, quote, made it. Maybe the issue is that you need to redefine what making it is. And maybe what making it is, is waking up every day and getting the opportunity to grind, 
in the thing that you are most passionate about. Um, and I think that now we're into the part where it's immensely personal for me. Um, you know, I put on the podcast, I put on these eFed shows, um, and I pour my heart into it. I pour insane hours of work into it. Um, and I'm not complaining uh, about that. I have fun while I do that. Uh, most of the time. <laughs> most of the time I have incredible fun while I do that. Um, but it's painful. It's painful to for me um, to be in the stage that I'm at without an audience. And that is or was before <laughs> this Netflix show. Um, that was the place where Al Snow and OVW was. There's a heartbreaking scene where they're looking to get 500 buys, I believe, on a pay-per-view that they're putting on. I think the number they come out with is like 73. Like they're not even in the ballpark. And you feel, oh, during that scene, you ju- like, the, like the gut punch hits your gut, or at least it hit mine. Like it was so intensely personal. Um... And I'm at the stage to come back to me and my wrestling career. Um, I'm at this stage of it uh, where that is very familiar to me. Um, And I have struggled with, frankly, the ability to keep going on. And a lot of that is personal, like personal obstacles I have in my own mind, simply simply with relationship to things like working hard and the fucking grind. It's not even that, what do you want to grind about, but are you even capable of doing it sort of thing? Is, is my mind right? Is my personal life right? And, uh, you know, I, I think the past few years with and through the E-Fed, I, I've been making those strides. Um but the <sighs> trying to find the right words here um let let's talk about the podcast the reason i missed the last couple episodes of the podcast i had one week with technical difficulties and i didn't release it on spotify and then and then last week skipping um to be totally honest was just because i had so much insecurity about the nature of this show um, I'm not stupid. <laughs> um, I know that uh, a one-person podcast is unique. Um, I know that my voice and my opinion, um, some people will be excited to hear it, and I, and some people will question it. Um, and you know that was one of the critiques I wasn't ready for, which was like, what fucking right do you have to even be talking about this? And the answer is obvious. Why well, have any, as much a fucking right as anybody? I'll talk about whatever the fuck I want. I'll turn on a camera. I'll turn on a microphone, and I'll talk about whatever the fuck I want, and I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Um, and in a weird way, this show on Netflix helped me see that I was getting caught in the critique. I was getting caught in what other people thought. And then I was talking about this show, again, like I said, with somebody from the E-Fed, and it provided another opportunity for me to kind of say that out loud. They were talking about their struggles with the creative process and the creative work they do. And um, I, I, it gave me an excuse to bitch about really where I was coming from and all that. And um, it really helped me see that um, I didn't always like what was happening in the podcast, 
And I didn't always like the feedback that I was getting and that I was running from those two things. And that as I ran from those two things, what I was running from was was my passion and what I do. Um, You know, they say that you have to have a job to support your wrestling job. That's one of the jokes they make in in wrestlers on Netflix. Um, And I think that it helped me see um, some birds of my feather, to be totally honest. It was really inspiring. So if you haven't seen this show, I highly recommend it. Um, and, and as far as it relates to me, um, again, it was just, and this is, this is kind of, I guess how I'll wrap it up. It, it's been a learning process. Watching myself and listening my, to myself on this podcast has been a learning process. Um, and watching that show and seeing other creative people passionate about wrestling, that was a learning process. Um, it was, it was nice for the universe. I didn't even know this show was coming out. My wife found it. Uh, and it was so kind of the universe to drop into my lab. Um, especially I was going through some things in my personal life, um, and being highly judgmental of, of my show and what I make as a product of it to drop into my lap, um, a show like this, where these people are part of the same struggle and the same grind and the same obsession, uh, with wrestling that I have. And, um, that, that obsession with me is so real and honest, and I don't know what other words to use for it. Um, I'm totally obsessed with wrestling, and I have been since I was 10 years old. Um, I stopped watching it, but I never, for years, um, and it set me back in terms of being able to talk about it, um, and I had to kind of catch up in a lot of ways, and it set me back in my ability to create the EFED. You know, I was flying really blind in a lot of ways creatively for the first year or two of that. And it's not been until the most recent year or two. It's coming into, I I realized the other day that this year's Christmas show will be our fourth Christmas show. So we're sort of easing past the, I guess, three year anniversary into year four now of the EFED. Um, And I never really had the confidence to talk about that EFED and what it is and what it means to me and how good it is uh, at any point until until maybe today. Maybe today I'll successfully pull it off. Maybe this is literally the first time that I'm really able to articulate in a public way. <laughs> I'm giggling because I'm not stupid. I know what viewership is, but um, in a public way, how meaningful and impactful it is for me um I guess the one exception is a blog post I made at wetmewrestling.com go check it out it's like the first blog post you got to scroll to the bottom you click on show cards and blogs um but to to the point or to the topic um The avenue it provides me into a creative mind with wrestling and booking stories and then watching Al Snow do it, I realized that, yes, it was a video. Yes, I do a cartoon video game show. And yes, it's a comedy, but that 
as I was watching Al in this documentary, I realized that what I was doing was real. I think that I thought somewhere inside of me that it was a side piece, that it was some sort of hobby that was small and that it only occupied a small piece of my heart and my mind. And what I've begun to really see is I've watched the first few episodes of this podcast back and gotten the feedback back from it, both my own feedback and other people's. And and as I've thought about this and worked on, you know, we have another eFed show. We have Fight Night this Friday, World Title Fight, Satoshi, Freddie Fernando. It's going to be amazing. Um, you know, I'm thinking of ways constantly to make these episodes entertaining. I'm constantly racking my mind and then working my ass off to implement um, what is going to make these shows engaging and interesting moment to moment, second to second, whether that is a technical thing in the video editing process. I create all the match cards, the slides. I do the video editing, whether that's something in the storytelling process. I largely write and direct almost every promo you see um, you know, maybe remove the right component of a few of them, uh, but still include the direct. I mean, I, I really, it's, it's me pushing the needle on everything. And I guess, you know, I don't know why I didn't want to say that, or I didn't want to be proud of that in my life. I think it's, I think it's correlated to an unwillingness to be proud of a lot of things in my life, to be totally honest. Um, and I think that, you know, that's really the gift that wrestling can give you is it can give you a sense of, boy, meritocracy. What a weird word to use for pro wrestling where the results are predetermined. Um, but the meritocracy comes through in in the way we all mutually as fans, as fucking marks, suspend our disbelief and buy into this show and buy into this product and buy into what we're watching and buy into the stories that are being told between the matches and the stories that are being told through the matches. Um, the way we're able to truly be present in it and the way I've been able to be truly present in it and absorbed in it. Um, and then transferring that into what I do with wet meat wrestling and the WMW um, and it provides an opportunity for me to tell jokes and tell story and tell a variety of stories. Um, you can tell comedy, tragedy, sex, victory, triumph, comeback, defeat, heartbreak. You can tell a story about any emotion under the sun through pro wrestling. And there aren't a lot of shows or forums or outlets where you can do that. And oh, by the way, it's an athletic spectacle. Um, you talk about wrestlers and they say in the show, you're a rock star, you're, you're a celebrity, you're an athlete, you're all these different hats all at once. Um, you're, you're a psychologist in a weird way. Um, and all that is the exact process I go through with the EFED. And you know, I think eFeds have a reputation, and I think I overthink that. Just like I overthink the comments section in response to this podcast or the clips of it on TikTok. Um, and I take a lot of that real personal. 
instead of just really taking personal what I do. And what I do is create an incredible, unique, and creative um, wrestling show, cartoon wrestling show. And it's called an E-Fed because it's in a video game, an electronic federation. But at the core of it, it's a cartoon wrestling show um, that is so respectful and loving to the to the cliches and the tropes and, and, and not even cliches and tropes, but the ideas and the fundamentals of wrestling storytelling, but also pushing it forward in a way that new and, in my opinion, young audiences can appreciate more uh, in that it's faster hitting, it's quicker hitting, it's harder hitting in terms of attention spans and when you're going to get the next sort of uh, payoff in the moment in a match, when are you going to get the next meme, the next joke, the next laugh, the next victory, the next epic moment uh, because it is a cartoon Tele- not television show, but a cartoon show, sort of packaged like a TV show. I think that's why it's coming out of my mind. Um, you know, the YouTubes are about 22 minutes long, almost exactly every week. Um, it's because it's packaged that way, you know, and I'm producing this, you know, we're on a 10-day schedule right now. So near-weekly product, this near-weekly wrestling product, um, and I'm in it, man. I'm in it. I'm in where they are. And I think that I didn't want to give myself permission to see that because I'm 35 years old and coming in as an outsider. Uh, same with the podcast. And I want to focus, for whatever reason in my mind, on all the reasons why I shouldn't. All the reasons why that's a bad idea. All the reasons why I'll be judged for that. All the reasons why people will turn it off for that. Instead of identifying what makes me a unique wrestling mind and wrestling voice, and you are too, if you're listening to this right now, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm just unique. We're all unique, man. We're all fucking beautiful snowflakes, motherfucker. That's all I'm trying to say. And that means that people are going to resonate with my opinions, my voice, and the way I do things. Um, and I just have to do things. I got to do what I do, and this is what I do. This is what I've been doing since I was 15 years old, not wrestling, performing. Uh, and you could say what you want about people with an obsession for performing uh, and acting or whatever else, talking and talking in a public forum and leading the public discussion. You can judge me all you want. Uh, I, I've finally, and, and it's really thanks to this show and thanks to this podcast in a lot of ways, I've, and and this wrestlers Netflix show, this show being rope break, but also wrestlers, um, that that I have some semblance of what resembles the co- the confidence to to release all that and ask myself, is this what I do, you know, and, and just take the good, <laughs> the bad, in, in who I am and what I'm capable of and what I do. You know, I'm a storyteller, I'm an announcer, I'm a comedian, I'm a satirist, and I'm a wrestling fan and I'm a wrestling promoter and uh you know the people who perform in the e-fed call me their promoter and they're right about that and I I've been inspired you guys to uh really let myself be that because it's really what I want to do and be and I'm letting myself forget about all the reasons why not me no not me no not me and I've decided that it's me. And uh, I'm really excited, man. I'm really excited for the future. I'm really excited for the rest of this podcast. We're going to 
transition out of the the sappy stuff. We're going to take a break here. And if you happen to be listening live, hey, leave a comment. Leave a question. If you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube right now or Spotify, give us a rating uh, and leave a comment there. Uh, we're going to transition, though. We're going to move out of my my sappy sob story about my life and my love of wrestling. And we're going to move into what I think about wrestling because, gosh darn it, I have a right to an opinion. We're going to talk about Wrestle Dream uh, in the next segment. And I'm going to break down all the matches that are currently on the card and the builds to them and what's been going on and how excited I am for those matches. And then we're going to talk about WWE as we bring it home later. Hey, this is Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. I ain't never missed my cue. Yo, what's up, wrestling fans? We are back from the break and we are easing on in. Landing. We're landing this plane into Wrestle Dream in Seattle, Washington. There was, I did forget, I was checking my notes here, and I did forget one little uh, insecurity I want to bitch about <laughs> uh, that I missed out during the, the insecurity, uh, transparent, uh, emotional portion of this podcast. And I, I wanted to just talk about real briefly the, the solo nature of this podcast. It's not by design, it's just by design, and that's my way of saying there aren't people in my life with whom I could do this show. It's not that I've actively chosen stylistically to do a solo podcast. It's simply that when I look at myself and my skill set, and this is kind of where to you know references what I was talking about earlier, I'm capable of it. I'm capable of running my mouth that much. I'm I'm not. It's not lost on me the disadvantages <laughs> to it. I just know that I'm capable of it and I want to. I want to do the work that I do. I want to do the creations that I do. I want to make the things that I make. I love the TikToks that do come out of these shows. I love the podcast itself and its long form. I love all of it. And I love what I oh, I love oh, I fucking love what I'm learning about myself and wrestling, et cetera. Podcasting creation, uh, all of the above is a product of it. And so uh, there's there's just too much good good. <laughs> for me to ha to to give a fuck about that at the end of the day. But that's my way of saying I would love to have 20 uh, active performers and content creators uh, in the EFED. I would love to have, um, you know, we only have a handful. I would love to have, um, a, I don't know, about co-hosts or a rotation of co-hosts or guests. Um, and I got to take the initiative, especially with guests, all of the above, but it, to, to make that happen. Uh, I did want the podcast to uh, be standing on some sort of culture and stable ground before I did that. And I feel like I've been easing my way into that in general. Missing a couple weeks set me back, but it, it did give me the opportunity to feel and think about all the things I've been sharing so far. So so we're full steam ahead, and that's where we're going in the future. And, and so I'm not avoiding guests. I'm not avoiding co-hosts or anything like that. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm just somebody who, who knows he can run his mouth and, or, and can write. And so I write and then I organize my thoughts through writing and then I fucking rant about him and I do enjoy, <laughs> fucking enjoy it. So, so here we are, but Hey, speaking of here, we are, we're in, we're in Oregon. We're in the Pacific Northwest. That's where I am. I don't know where you are. Uh, but we're going a few hours up I-5. Later this week to head over to Seattle, Washington to see Wrestle Dream, AEW's first 
sort of new pay-per-view. Well, I guess All In was their kind of first pay-per-view outside of their set four that they've been doing for a while. Um, but I've been seeing in billing and marketing that they're sort of advertising this as a new step forward for AEW and evolution for them. They're adding more shows, and I've heard rumors that they're going to uh, look to get to as many as 12 pay-per-views a year, uh, a schedule similar, excuse me, to WWE. And uh, yeah, that's 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 a lot to bite off for AEW, I feel like, because you know, a lot of the critiques I have of AEW booking are kind of about the way the bigger picture feels. It's not always about individual wrestlers and performances. It's kind of about how the bigger picture feels. Does it feel like a cohesive product? Uh, when I make my show, I'm so fucking passionate about making it feel like this is a universe. You know, we joke that uh, I, we joke. I mean, the show, quote unquote, takes place in a Subaru dealership in Guadalajara, Mexico. And I give it all of the uh, disheveled indie vibe and energy that I can. And that's another reason why Wrestlers was so fucking funny, because it was all the things I lovingly make fun of in my show. Um, but that's back on topic. That's what AEW struggles with. Um, and so maybe all those pay-per-views will give them more focus, more direction. I don't know. Um, but, uh, it's neither here nor there. Wrestle Dream's going to be their first crack at it. So let's go down the card. The first one I have on the list is Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I'm excited for this match. Obviously there's no build and, and, and maybe before I get into all of them, this being kind of a new Japan pro wrestling crossover show, uh, it's meant to, uh, commemorate, honor, pay respects to Antonio Inoki, who passed away a year ago. Uh, he was one of the biggest, or maybe the biggest dreamer in all of wrestling, says Tony Khan, and he's right about that. Thus the name Wrestle Dream. Um, and so I'm hoping we're going to get some more New Japan names tomorrow on Dynamite, like Okada, like Hiroshi Tanahashi, like Sonata, and my apologies if I'm hurting any of these names or hurting you by mispronouncing them, but um, I want to see those people at this show so fucking bad. I mean, you don't have a lot of opportunities living in the Pacific Northwest to see Okada wrestle. Um, and so here's hoping. I got my fingers crossed. Here's hoping. Um, and there's still time, and there's still time for all of this, and so I don't want to be critical, but it feels a little underwhelming. So again, Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. This is like an okay match, I feel like. It has some context. They're calling it like the two best technical wrestlers in the world. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be a great match. There's no build here. There's no, you know, they're just going to go out and do it. But um, this is the these are the type of guys who can do that and still kind of be interesting, especially if you're in the wrestling world or you're a wrestling fan and you're familiar with Zack Sabre Jr. And you're familiar, obviously, with Brian Danielson, as so many people are. Then this is the type of match that can hook you, I think. Um, I did want to say I AEW Collision with Brian Danielson, you know, this is what I wanted to say really with regard to is like, his buildup for this match has been not that, you know, everything's a buildup, but everything's connected, right? Everything in life is connected. And so if you're watching this episodic television show called AEW Collision and you're watching AEW, Brian Danielson does two death matches with Ricky Starks in a row. And uh, 
you know, I'll confess that I don't always hear every word to every promo. I'm a family man and there's other things going on and I'm making what I make. And so, but I watch these matches and I don't understand why he's doing two death matches in a row. And it just was so weird to me in the second one, especially, I mean, with the same guy, where they're trying to draw out the grudge and the emotion of it, maybe, I don't know. But in the second one, as JR and Nigel and the announcers are saying that this is the type of match that changes you forever. Well, you said that literally seven days ago or 14 days ago, whenever it was, uh, when these two had a strap match. And they're just kind of running it back. And, oh, look, these two are all bloody and giving, destroying each other again. And then Ricky Starks loses again. Um, and so, man, it just felt like, I'm going to use a cornet term. It just felt like lazy booking. I don't I don't know what else you would call it. The Brian Danielson, Ricky Starks death match. Like, let's just keep throwing these two into death matches. Let's just destroy these two bodies. Just absolutely decimate their meat sacks because we can't think of anything else to do. Um, I know that's harsh. I come across so harsh. It's one of the things I've learned about myself in this podcast. But it's true. It's how I feel. Um, but that doesn't have to impact Daniel Sid Sabre Jr. I'm looking forward to that match. The next match, and I spoke about this ad nauseum on the last podcast we did two weeks ago, which was Hangman Page versus Swerve Strickland. I'm super excited for this, simply because Swerve gave such a real promo. I mean, he really tore apart Hangman Page, I felt like. I thought it was really personal. He attacked his weight. Um, he kind of attacked his family life, just kind of said, you're rich, you got that big contract, you got the baby, you got the wife, and now you got the dad gut, and now you don't have the same fire that you used to have. You don't have the same passion that you used to have. And I don't know how else to say this. It's exactly how I felt about Hangman Page when I saw him walk out. And it's tough. It's such an image, visual business and industry. So, you know, on one side of it, it's like, man, really being hard on this guy for his body image. But on the other side of it is that you are putting on a show about the best athletes in the world fighting each other. And so if one of them, if it was UFC and somebody came in not looking great <laughs> in their build or in their musculature, it would be noteworthy. And so in a sense, and I don't mean to say that everything in wrestling has to be like UFC, but there needs to be something there, right? And it's so in, – in this particular slice of the pie, wrestling is more visual than UFC. It's, it's more in that realm. It's more important. In UFC, you can go out there and if you're a little – if you have some extra pudge that you didn't have last year, it won't matter if you knock the shit out of the guy. No one's going to talk about it. Um, but people are going to talk about it in wrestling, and so – to have Swerve address it head-on uh, as a heel in this matchup was so fucking good. It's the exact sort of thing they need to be doing constantly in AEW, uh, making it real. You saw Al Snow, if you've watched Wrestlers, uh, constantly feeding into his mic, make it real, make it real. He's constantly talking to his wrestlers, make it feel real, make it real. There's a mother-daughter subplot that they use for Ohio, Vi Ohio Valley Wrestling, excuse me. 
uh, and he's telling them, make it real, make it real. It's because we need something to grab onto as an audience. And this match is given it. This match is given it. So I'm excited about this match. It's got me excited to see what story they tell. It's got me excited to see who wins and what comes next for both of them. I hope it really, I hope, really what I hope is both of them come out of this looking a lot stronger than they came into it. Most of all, Swerve. Uh, Paige is all the things Swerve accused him of. And Paige is a former champion. Uh, I feel like Swerve is killing it promo-wise. He's got a weird delivery that I don't always love, but I, big picture, I feel like he's killing it deli- uh, promo-wise. And a great match with Hangman Page, and let's push him. Let's push him to the moon. Um, the next match. I'm going to take a drink of water real quick. But the next pad match, excuse me, that we have is a tag team championship between Aussie Open and FTR. Apologies as I rip this water bottle. Um, <clears throat> this is sort of like the tag team version of the Zack Sabre Jr. Brian Danielson match. Uh, I don't know a lot about Aussie Open. I've, I've, I didn't watch him in New Japan. I didn't watch them as Ring of Honor tag team champions. I saw them at All In. That was my introduction to them. It seems like they have a little bit of a following, a little bit of a fan base. It feels a little like um, TK, Tony Khan, believes in them. And if all that's true, it makes me wonder if we're in for an upset on this match, if Aussie Open could end up winning it. Um, I feel like um, you know, I feel like some baby faces later in the card are going to get wins. Uh, for the hometown Seattle audience, uh, cough, cough, Darby Allen, cough, cough. And I think that this could be an opportunity for them to, to, I mean, re- establish a new tag team in the tag team division that doesn't feel forced. Um, if you have Aussie Open, FTR, the Bucks, the Guns, like, you have tag teams in AEW. I, I don't understand what happened to th- their tag team division because once upon a time, it was the most interesting thing in wrestling the AEW tag team division was the most interesting thing in wrestling um you know once upon a time you thought the best friends uh were going to be tag team champions pretty soon because they were having great matches with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega back during their tag title reign and the Bucks come in and FTR comes in and the tag division just stayed so good for so long feels like it was when Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland won the tag belts that it fell off. And I, I like both those guys. I obviously like Swerve. just felt like something about the vibe. It didn't feel like a division. It didn't feel like a place where tag teams were competing with each other anymore. It felt like all of a sudden it was more like WWE's tag team division where, uh, okay, these two single wrestlers now wrestle together. And, oh, look, they have belts now. Look how good they look with these belts. That's their push. We pushed them. See, we pushed Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Now you like them. Don't you know that you like them and that they had a story? And that whole thing was so forced, and I felt like that was the beginning of the end for the tag team division. And now they put the belts on FTR to bring it back. I'm a big FTR mark. Uh, And maybe Aussie Open will be a part of that. So I'm excited for a good match or a great match potentially. Uh, And maybe a big upset here with Aussie Open. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but... I wouldn't mind cheering my ass off for a big FTR win that night either. Uh, So I'm super excited. That's probably the match I'm most excited for, at least so far. Okay, the next one, um, The Righteous, who I don't even know. I don't know these guys from Adam. 
versus Adam Cole, better than you, baby. Uh, and the reason I pause there is because Adam Cole is the one who's, I guess, hanging this match up. Uh, we're not for sure this match is even going to happen because of an injury to Adam Cole. Uh, and that sucks because, I mean, for me as somebody who's going to the show, I want to see Adam Cole. I want to see MJF, motherfucker. Like, come on. I want to see the champ. And I really wanted to see the champ defend his championship at Wrestle Dream. I was heartbroken when I found out he wasn't going to. And now the match he's in is in jeopardy. So w- hopefully we'll get answers tomorrow night on Dynamite. And this will be a non-issue. And I can just skate past it. Um, because Better Than You, Bebe, is totally over and totally fun, so I don't hate having to see them instead of a title defense. But we gotta get one of the two, right? I hope. We'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll find out Sunday. Um, so we'll just leave that as it is and move on to the next match, which is six-man tag action, where Chris Jericho is teaming up with the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, and they're taking on the Don Callis uh, family, I guess, of Will Ospreay from New Japan and Takesha and Sammy Guevara. And, you know, I think this match is what it is. I guess what I mean by that is the Omega Takesha thing is going on where Takesha is is the alpha. He's the answer to Kenny's Omega. And he's just got Kenny's number right now. And... I, 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 I'm okay. Like, that's a fun story. Like, I'm okay with those two. I love Takesha and, oh, oh my gosh, I love Takesha and Omega singles match. And that's, you know, I'm a fan of singles wrestling. I've talked about that a lot on the podcast. Um, six man tends to feel a little bit like filler. Um, and, and maybe it'll be a crowd pleaser. Maybe they'll do things that are, you know, really get us up on our feet. Sammy Guevara can. Uh, and Will Ospreay can. And I'm excited that I get to see Ospreay and Omega in the ring together. And Takesha and Omega in the ring together. Um, you know, Jericho Guevara feels a little shoehorned into this. I know that Jericho's feuding with Callus and all that. But, um, you know, it just, it, it sticks out seeing Jericho and Omega teaming up, I guess. Um, and, and hopefully that'll be fun. It'll be novel, but we'll, we'll see. I'm a little pessimistic and, you know, I'd rather see Kenny Omega fighting MJF for the world title or something like that. But, but I'll take this, I suppose. The next match I'm getting the vibe is actually going to end up as the main event. <clears throat> That's Darby Allen versus Christian Cage in a two out of three fall match. We'll see if I'm right about that. Uh, but Christian Cage won the TNT title in a triple threat on Collision, and now Darby Allen, the Seattle native, will be fighting Christian Cage in this two out of three fall match. I'm really hopeful for this match. I feel like Christian Cage is one of the guys who just knows how to. He's like one of the few guys that almost feels like an AEW who. You just feel confident going into his singles matches that you're going to get a good match. He knows how to pace him. Um, he knows how to tell a story in the match. And, and this being a two out of three fall match with somebody as athletic as the daredevil Darby Allen, um, I feel like he and Christian have an opportunity here uh, to totally bring down the house. And, you know, if presumably they split the first two falls and then Darby 
uh, wins the third. And if it does play out like that in a great match, that arena will explode for Darby Allen. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see it. Um, and I've seen reports that like Christian Cage is is being kind of earmarked as the next guy in AEW, that they're really high on him right now, and they should be because he kills it as a heel week after week after week. He's arguably doing better, more interesting heel work than the champ, MJF. He just doesn't have the name recognition in a weird way. MJF is the new hotness, whereas Christian Cage has probably, I mean, I kind of viewed him as coming over to retire from WWE, a little bit more Matt Hardy energy, but, and that's so harsh on Matt Hardy, but, but it's not, it's not that at all for Christian Cage. He's been totally killing it, I feel like. So I'm excited that I get to see a singles match of his. The next match, we're a little over halfway through, is the Ring of Honor uh, World Championship, Eddie Kingston defending against Shibata. Uh, Eddie Kingston, King's Road, he's all about Japanese wrestling, New Japan, All Japan. Um, and so this just feels like that. And we'll see if the match is good. I, I don't really care about Shibata. Maybe I will. I don't know him. I, you know, it's not a... That's not because I don't like him. Uh, I just don't know. I've seen a few of his matches here with AEW sporadically over the course of the last year. I feel like he popped in with Orange Cassidy for a while and did some matches with the best friends, maybe. So I've seen him, but I'm not totally familiar. Um, and Eddie Kingston is a lot of fun. It's fun having a a wild card on the AEW roster for for want of a better uh, term to call him, he he just feels like like a wild card. Like you never know what you're going to get. You never know if he's even going to be at the show, if he's going to get in trouble with Tony Khan or someone or something else. Um, and he manages to fucking hate everybody and pick fights with everybody. So hopefully this will be great. He'll bring that energy and hopefully this will be a good match. Uh, the next match, Julia Hart versus Chris Stanla Statlander, excuse me. For the TBS championship, I just, I just, I just couldn't care less about this match. I, I, I hate. I, I, I feel like women's wrestling gets an unfair rub, and so whenever I'm critical of it, I worry about getting. And this goes back to the beginning of the episode, but I worry about getting lumped in with the haters. Um, but. I mean, I just don't care about Julia Hart fighting Chris Statlander for the TBS championship. Um, I, I don't understand why Julia Hart's even in the match, to be honest. I, I don't know. We've never really seen her in a big match or in a singles match. And all of a sudden, she's doing this singles match with Statlander for a championship opportunity. I'm sure there was something in the story that I missed as to why it's happening, but the behind the scenes why it's happening is what's really confusing me here because I'm not I'm not I'm not pumped for this one and 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 I will put uh my foot in my mouth I will I will place my foot squarely in my mouth if I am on my feet uh cheering for Chris Statlander at the end of this um and the next and last one I have on the list is a four-way tag team match this feels like filler to get these tag teams in. Between the Young Bucks, the Guns, the Lucha Brothers, and Orange Cassidy and Hook. 
and the winner is going to get a future AEW tag team title shot. Um, I don't really have any predictions or thoughts about this match. I imagine it's going to be a little bit of a of a spot fest, high flying shit show. <laughs> um, and you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe it'll be entertaining. It's kind of like a good first match in a way of the show. Maybe get us up on our feet, get us excited. I'm so excited to be there. I'm relating everything to that. But um, you know, for real, I I just like throwing all the tag teams into a big four-way tag match we'll see it's it's just going to be a lot of high-flying action which will be fun um but I find that those sort of matches struggle to be more than superficial fun for a moment and and that's why I'm sometimes harsh on them um and so yeah that's the full card as of the moment and it's supposed to be a show honoring New Japan Pro Wrestling and I'm trying to think of some of the names that aren't on the card. I should have wrote or written these down ahead of time. Um, Jungle Boy comes to mind. Um, because And the reason it matters is because I am hoping, 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 hoping that Okada is going to show up on Dynamite tomorrow and they're going to set up a match between him and somebody um, for for Sunday's show. Because... This is supposed to be like a New Japan crossover show honoring the passing of the founder of New Japan. But if you go through this list, like Will Ospreay, like we're we're just missing any and every major name from New Japan Pro Wrestling that would be relevant for a show like this. Um Okada should be in the main event, and maybe they're going to get there somehow. I don't know. There's still time. I want to believe. I want to believe so bad. So I won't go into too much detail about this critique of it, uh, except to say that if we watch Dynamite tomorrow and nothing comes of it, then then I'm a little disappointed, to be honest, with the card. Um, but who knows? Maybe they're going to put on an amazing show. Uh, and I loved All Out. And All Out coming a week after a pay-per-view. They've been doing all these pay-per-views, gearing into more pay-per-views. Um, all Out was a great show. Like, it was very entertaining and interesting. And I probably would have said, and probably did, if we go back on the pod, probably did say similar things about the card uh, for All Out. It felt like all their entertainment, I remember. Now, now it's coming back to me. Uh, all their sort of entertaining angles and matches and feuds they save for All Out and then put their big main event world title fight at All In. And so hopefully this is the same. Hopefully they're going to have story and intrigue um, and things happening and pushing the narrative, whether it's the narrative with the world title and who's going to challenge for it next, uh, the narrative with the TNT title. I'm a little bit of a belt mark, I'll admit it. Uh, and narrative between Osprey, Takesha, and Omega. There's opportunity there. Uh, there's no reason why Ozzy Open versus FTR can't be a great feud. Page and Swerve is getting established. So there's opportunity. This can be an entertaining show. And I'll just say, in closing, when I book my shows uh, for the EFED, there's sort of phases to it, and you can kind of identify that something could be an interesting match or entertaining uh, without always necessarily ahead of time or way ahead of time knowing exactly what that hook is going to be to make it entertaining or make it 
stick out or extra interesting. And that's what that's what they got to do here. That's their next step. And and I take that deep exhale because it feels like that's what they don't do sometimes. It feels like they book these matches with no plan and no big picture and no sense of entertainment and storytelling sometimes. And so this is that gap where the matches are booked and now they figure out in a lot of ways where they can connect dots that they didn't know that they could connect. Where are the interesting things that they hadn't identified prior to outlining the show? And those are the things that will transition it from being like, oh, this was an underwhelming card of wrestling matches into, oh, that was the most fun night ever. Oh, that was an amazing show to watch. When I watched All Out, I walked away being like, that was like a sleeper movie. I was like watching a movie that I didn't know was going to be fun and great, but then ended up being fun and great. So that's what I'm looking for for WrestleDream. And that's exactly what AEW could deliver in the past years ago. Oh, there's been some issues, but but uh, but WrestleDream is going to bring it all back for us. Okay, that's enough ranting about WrestleDream, though. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to look at WWE real briefly. Uh, they had some releases. I don't have a lot to say about the releases. Uh, we're going to mention a few of the names and maybe where they could go, though. A few of the names I am interested in following where they'll end up, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and briefly touch on this story heading into their pay-per-view Fastlane here in a couple weeks. Hey, this is Rope Break. Remember to leave us a rating and a comment on YouTube, on Spotify, wherever you are. And thanks for listening, motherfuckers. We'll be right back. I ain't never missed my cue. Hey, wrestling motherfuckers. We're back with Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast. This is our final segment of today's show. We're going to talk about WWE. We're going to talk about some of the releases... Uh, that happened, what was it, last week? Late last week in WWE? Uh, this is pretty common practice for them if you follow wrestling. Uh, if you got your you got your hand on the pulse, that's the expression I'm looking for, um, of pro wrestling, they'll do this. And, um, you know, it always sort of the people who are fans of these people, I think, get upset. Um, and, and there's some cause for that. But I, it, it, the release process, to me, makes a lot of sense. In that, you know, if you're not going to be using somebody, amicably going different directions is the next step. And it's not a statement that these guys can't do it. It's that these guys just aren't doing it right now with WWE. And I don't know, you know, maybe W. I assume WWE handles it that way. Maybe they call these guys and say, hey, fuck you, get the fuck out of our building and never come back. Uh, but I suspect they don't. I suspect they have a better um, approach. The two names that stick out, though, are Matt Riddle and Dolph Ziggler for me. Uh, Matt Riddle's already been tied to uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, which is like, I'm not that familiar with it, but I believe it's a promotion, kind of a UFC energy, though, where uh, they bring a lot of shoot fighting and shoot wrestling uh, into professional wrestling. Uh, and I don't even know off the top of my head if their matches um, are predetermined or not. I don't know a lot about Noah. I also know, though, that Matt Riddle uh, does have a background in MMA. So he would fit right in in that sort of context. 
Um, and the other name, Dolph Ziggler, you know, with both these names, the million dollar question is, will they go to AEW? And I, for one, would love to see Dolph Ziggler in AEW. I think that he is so good. His work in the ring is so good. Um, and he is renowned for selling, but he's also just so good in the ring. Taking the bumps, yeah, is a major component of it. And I feel like getting him in the fold of kind of booking matches, individual matches um, in AEW could be where he belongs. Maybe it's time for him to transition in the next step of his career, training and working with young people in a company like AEW or Ohio Valley Wrestling. Go to OVW. Go work with Al Snow, Dolph Ziggler. We'll see you on season two of Wrestlers on Netflix uh, you'll fit it right there. Uh, that would be beautiful. Um, so who knows in all seriousness, I don't know. They'd both be welcomed in the WMW with open arms. We could find work for you, Dolph, I think in the EFED. Absolutely. The other name I wrote down from the list, there was about 20. You can look it up, uh, is Rick Boogs. And they were trying to do some things with him. I thought, and I thought that they really liked him. I thought I kind of had the vibe that they had plans for him in the future, even if those were uh, kind of bit part plans or sort of enhancement plans because he had a look, he had an energy that was interesting and engaging and fun at times. And so I was he was a name I was surprised to see on that list. But at the same time, once I saw it, then it made me question, well, what is it that because he's younger too. What are they seeing in him uh, that they don't like? You know, and that be- kind of becomes the next phase of the question. I know for a lot of these guys, it probably does too. It's probably a pretty shitty, painful process um, to be released from the WWE. Come to think of it, <laughs> um, but yeah, he is. He is one that. I'll have my eye on all three of those are the ones I'll have my eye on. Mustafa Ali getting released. Um, you know, it's surprising because you see these guys on TV, you see them on Raw, you see them on SmackDown, and then two weeks later they're released, and it is a little bit jarring. But what I'll say is WWE is at least intentionally using the guys they have on their roster. Um Almost to a fault. Like, right now, they're just riding the fuck out of Judgment Day in the tag titles. They're on SmackDown and Raw and defending them or wrestling or deeply involved in the main storylines of the episode or whatever else every single week. It's like they got nothing else right now but tag and Judgment Day. And we can feud with Cody and Sammy. We can feud with Cody and uh, KO, we can feud with Sammy and KO, and uh, oh, we can throw in Jey Uso into this now and stir the pot a little, but it's going to be Judgment Day, and it's Judgment Day really driving, you know, they're the heels, they're the ones really driving the heat, driving the intrigue, Um, and so it's just become like this holding pattern of a show, and I happened to see after last night's Raw some of the immediate feedback on social media, like, People are getting sick of Raw. People are not pleased with these last few episodes. And, you know, I think that this is like the time of year where this happens. I I remember this 20 years ago. 
um, when you get basically as far out in the calendar from WrestleMania as is possible. So we're six months removed and we got six months to go till the next one. We're literally as far away from the existence of WrestleMania in the space-time continuum as we can be. And for my whole life watching wrestling, this is the time of the calendar when things really do start to lull. And contracts and runs and booking and wrestling, you know, Cena's not permanent. The Rock, obviously not permanent. Um, And they're kind of going against the point I'm making right now, which is that a lot of those type of names come in closer to your WrestleMania build. Um, They're here now giving a boost, I guess, during this lull, maybe. I don't know. Keeping attention, keeping eyes on them. We don't know, I don't think, what The Rock is building towards... Um, I guess AJ Styles was meant to be Cena's partner against the bloodline at Fastlane. And now that Styles is out, it opens the door for The Rock potentially to step in. And you could have The Rock and Cena teaming up against the bloodline. That could be cool. Um, And some people are saying it's going to be LA Knight teaming up with uh, Cena against the bloodline. I heard that LA Knight uh, tested positive for covid And so his status for the show is a little TBD right now. So his status for any promotion of it or or certainty of that at this stage is is no way, Jose. Not going to happen, which is a a shame because L.A. Knight is killing it. If you heard me on on the first three episodes, L.A. Knight is killing it. He's totally killing it. It's so fun. Um, you know, I don't want to re-give the whole speech I gave on uh, about L.A. Knight a few episodes ago, but suffice to say, he is, all the critiques levied by The Miz against him during that feud, by and large, true. And it was an avenue to kind of look under the floorboards a little, peel back the cover a little, and see what's underneath, see the real L.A. Knight, see what, what is it who is the man that is propping up the character and where's the connection, right? Al Snow in the microphone, like I was saying earlier, make it real, make it real. So what's the real LA Knight? Uh, is he that motherfucker? Does he have that vibe? Does he have that energy? And I feel like so far so good. Like I feel like he's been killing it. Um, he is steadfast and devoted to the psychology of what he's selling moment to moment on the show, in the ring, uh, in a promo, anywhere else. And so, oh, I just want to see that. I want to see that continue. It's fun watching somebody step into their destiny. I mean, and he's earned it. He's earned the opportunity. Uh, He's worked for it. He's one of those guys, like on that episode of Wrestlers, you know, we're talking about cash flow and these older guys who have been devoted to this profession and craft for so long with such minimal external payoff. The payoff has always been internal, but sometimes when the payoff is internal over and over and over, what that means is those were the experiences that equipped you for when your time comes to be the motherfucker, you're ready for it. And that is exactly how L.A. Knight has been looking on Raw and SmackDown. I forget, oh my gosh, I forget which one is, is which. They, are, they run together in my mind. 
Um, but every time he's on camera, like he's killing it. I'm buying it. I'm buying his energy. I'm buying that he cares. I'm buying that he cares about <laughs> the title belts, the matches, uh, the people in front of him, uh, of him, excuse me. I'm buying that he cares about what he's talking about in any given moment. Um, even if it is silly, even if it is cliche, even if it is a little bit of a knockoff of the rock and stone cold, uh, that doesn't make it any less real. As a matter of fact, we are all, no man is an island, right? We are all deeply, ooh, let's end spiritually. We are all deeply, deeply connected to one another, but it's true. And so the question becomes about the individuality and LA Knight is killing it on that front too uh, lately. So yeah, this sucks. Hopefully, hopefully he'll get a good rub or uh, with the rocker Cena or a match or something here. And hopefully he's well, and can just get right back on the horse and keep killing it. Uh, and the other match, actually, now that I'm thinking about fast lane, Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins, they've been drawing this one out for a while. I was really on board with it early. Now I'm just ready for the match and it needs to be a good one. Now I'm just like, okay, okay. We, we've got the evil anime villain, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura speaking in Japanese. It's cool, but now it's time for the match. And uh, I, I want Shinsuke to win so bad. I won't lie. It's not that it gets Seth Rollins. It's just me marking out, really, for the story and the vibe of, of that feud that they've built. I want the the weird, charismatic bad guy to win this thing, uh, at least in the short term. So I'm kind of rooting for him. Um, but again, it's just it just shows you that they're doing good work right now. Uh, even if it is the lull season for the WWE, but oh my gosh, what's going to break that lull? Potentially Survivor Series, because rumors are that CM Punk is going to be coming back to WWE. I hope so. I hope so. And it's not because I'm a fan of WWE or CM Punk. It's because I'm a fan of pro wrestling. And pro wrestling is best when it's real. And CM Punk can't seem to help but making his environment real, for better and worse, at all fucking times. Like, there doesn't seem to be a pause button. This just has to be drawn out into the light. We're gonna, it doesn't matter what this is, we're gonna talk about this. And if I have a problem with this, we're going to deal with this. That's been the CM Punk energy his whole fucking career. And I want him on camera with a microphone bringing that to pro wrestling. Because it's interesting. Because it's interesting. Because it's interesting. And it's why I said previously that in the right environment, people, and one of those people is Punk, make a ton of money and have a, great, a lot of great wrestling matches. And hopefully WWE could be that environment for the sake of pro wrestling, not for the sake of WWE. I'm not anti-AEW in that sense. Uh, I'm critical of AEW. I'm not anti-AEW. Um, and so I want I want him back in the fold of the bigger picture of pro wrestling. CM Punk versus Cody Rhodes just came to my mind. That would be so fucking good. Hey, you guys, this is it for me this week. Thank you for going on the journey with me here on Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast. Remember, the video version on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating. Leave a comment. And, uh, oh, yeah, the clips. The clips on TikTok. Make sure you're subscribed on TikTok and Instagram at Wet Meat Wrestling. 
We do bite-sized clips of what I talk about during the show on there. Um, so check it out. Follow me there. And remember that we have an EFED show this Friday, Fight Night, at 7 p.m. Eastern. The world champion, Satoshi, defends against Freddie Fernando, who has been a member of the EFED uh, for years now and is actually, we call him the costume guy because he's responsible for creating uh, from a mechanical and in the game uh, movesets, AI, etc. about half of the wrestlers that you see in the WMW. So we, we lovingly refer to him as the costume guy and he's looking to win his first ever WMW World Championship this Friday against the realest of real boys, the world champion Satoshi, who used to be an ashtray but is now a professional fucking wrestler. Thank you for going on the journey with me this week, guys, and I will see you next week and this Friday next week at 7 p- No, 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 this Friday. I'm getting it all confused. This Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern and next Tuesday for the live pod at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Have a great rest of your day. Bye! I ain't never missed my kid.